You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Carlos Noche, and I'm joined by my co-host, Lisa Schneer. Say hi, Lisa. Hey, folks. Today, we're talking about how the B2B companies can drive and measure growth through an event strategy. Exactly. And to help us out with that topic today, we have Jonathan Kazarian, founder and CEO of Excel Events. Jonathan, thank you so much for taking the time today and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. All right. Our nice little Kickstarter is always the same question. So, hey, before we kind of jump into your organization and what got you there and some of that history, Hey, what's one thing that people that work with you may not know about you? Probably the passion I've had for events as a result of the event I started organizing when my cousin got diagnosed with cancer. And um, that's ultimately the reason that I launched the company. Just having gone through the pain of hosting an event myself and realizing that technology needs to be there to make life easier for event organizers instead of making it harder, that keeps me going every day. That's amazing. And on that note, can you tell us a little more about Excel Events, what you do there, how you arrived at this point? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it goes back to what I just mentioned. The reason I'm here now is because when I started hosting the first 1,000-person event that, that I was organizing, I just realized that there was no tech out there that actually made my life easier. I was using one of the well-known publicly traded companies now to run registration. I was so petrified of something going wrong because of the issues that we had going into it that I printed out like 700 pages worth of registration lists so that if something did go wrong, we'd be able to manually check everybody in. And one thing led to another. We just started down this premise of let's make life easier for event organizers so they can focus on creating great experiences and let the technology do what it's supposed to do. And going down that path, one thing led to another. Our focus today is very much that, but also helping to ensure that events are the number one lead gen channel within an organization. Mm, that's super important for all those MQLs out there that uh, companies are always looking for. And so you mentioned that you worked with one of the big IPO publicly traded companies. What is Excel Events' big differentiator? Like, how are you taking a different approach? Can you walk us through how that looks? Yeah. So one aspect of it is just having everything under one roof. You as an event organizer shouldn't be there having to connect a whole bunch of discombobulated tools and trying to build your own tech stack. The event platform should be there to facilitate everything that you need. And being able to have a single contact record that flows through all of the events throughout your annual event program. The other aspect is just the focus we put into ensuring that the things we're doing are designed in a way to save you time. If we can help an event organizer get an extra 15 minutes of sleep the night before their event, we're winning. I mean, it comes down to that. And then the other side of the coin is events just they carry this vast amount of information that has not been properly utilized by organizations historically. And that's the other big area of focus for us. I mean, interestingly, over the past couple of months, we've seen marketing ops or rev ops teams involved in about half the procurement conversations that we're having now, which frankly, I'm really excited about because it means that we're moving in the direction, the opportunity that, that we see for events as a major staple in the marketing stack. Events already make up 25% of the B2B marketing budget. Mm -hmm. They need to be contributing at least that in leads. 
Love that. Mm. I know a lot of our listeners will be happy to hear that. So that untapped information that you're talking about, is that customer feedback? Like what is that made up of as far as like what they're being able to tap into? Yeah. So it's a variety of things. But if you think about what's happening in digital marketing today, where like Apple's got this war on Facebook, now, you know, Google's tapping in with the whole cookie goes future area. It's making that third party data a lot less useful than it historically has been which in turn makes first-party data far more useful. And as you think about different mechanisms for capturing first-party data, you get the historical things like white papers and eBooks. And it's not to say that stuff's not valuable, but the only thing that you learn, that you gather from that information is that somebody gave you their email address and they downloaded that document. The story ends there. But in the world of events, be it an in-person experience, hybrid, virtual, doesn't matter what the format is, you get thousands of touch points, thousands of different things that you're learning about this person. And information that, frankly, they're, they're offering up because they're willing to give you the registration data, their, their tracking information, their time, their money, all in exchange for access to your content and your community. And with that information, you can empower the rest of your organization, be it the way that you're marketing, the way that your sales team is reaching out to prospects, the way that your account management and CS team is using that information to look for upsell opportunities. I and mean, the, the opportunities there are just are so broad. And that's what we're seeing a lot of organizations starting to figure out today. I think that's so powerful what you just said, because that opt in to you think about the world today, and a lot of people have the ability to unsubscribe or opt out of content. So the fact that they are actively opting in and handing you their contact information is so powerful, because it's that buy into your content, whatever the content of this event contains, is something that truly matters to this person enough to attend, spend their valuable time there and to give you their valuable information. So I think that's an incredibly powerful statement. And I'm curious, like when you think about the measurement of things, we've talked a few times about MQLs already now, but what types of things do you tell sales and marketing organizations in particular to be measuring when they work with you and what outcomes should they be expecting? Are they seeing that 25% increase in MQLs? So the first part of even answering that question is also one of the things, there's like two very common mistakes I see people making when they're thinking about their event strategy. One of which is that they don't have a call to action. And if you don't have a call to action, the easiest thing that you can do is at the end of the event, when people are gung-ho and excited, get them to register for your next event, right? Super simple. They're going to become advocates, give them a huge discount, whatever. They're going to speak on your behalf. The other thing is that people don't go into their events with an event strategy. What is the outcome of this event that we're hosting or the goal of the outcome? Once you figure that out, then it's a lot easier to figure out the KPIs that you want to measure against. So if it's something like a product launch, yes, you want to create buzz awareness within the industry about whatever it is you're launching. And one great example of a way to measure success there is, let's say you're rolling out a new feature. Maybe you're sending an email blast out about that feature, but I've never seen somebody post a screenshot of an email on LinkedIn about a new feature release. Even if it's a virtual event though, I mean, you'll see LinkedIn light up. Like Zapier, for example, they recently did a product launch and LinkedIn, Twitter blew up with screenshots coming out of the event platform, the virtual event platform for this product launch. And it created so much buzz and excitement online. So in their case, that was one of the metrics because it increases the total number of impressions that they're able to generate even outside of the scope of the event itself. But yeah, I mean, to answer your question, it's really specific to what the end goal of that event's going to be. In some cases, you measure it on registrations or actual attendance. Sometimes it's an attendance score within those folks. Sometimes it's the number of new people that register for the event that weren't already in your CRM. I mean, often when we think about events, 
we're marketing to our existing contact list. So we also want to look and see how many new contacts did we generate just because of the external buzz that this event created. I'll give it a break here because I could keep going on this topic. And I, Well, yeah, and I, I was just going to come in and say, because a lot of this stuff is like, particularly, I guess, depends on your customer and how experienced they are at, at events. But does your team help consult on these are some of the things you should be looking for based on the topic of the event? Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's very specific to what that organization is looking to accomplish. We certainly do. The other thing that we emphasize in that process is let's not look at this on a historic basis. The most important time to be looking at that information is during the event. We want to optimize that experience in real time because at the end of the day, that's where we're going to make the biggest impact. And that's where we're going to see the most re-engagement, getting people to register for the next event. So I won't put this in the bucket of the two most common gaps that event organizers fall into because this is a little bit more involved and, and nuanced. But if you could take the time and think about what's the goal of this event, And then think about what are the criteria or the triggers that are taking place during the event, the information that I need to use to trigger a campaign or some form of re-engagement from my audience. And it could be something like in the world of a virtual event, okay, this person or set of people have checked out this keynote session in the afternoon six times, they've bookmarked it, they came to my first session this morning, I can see they're no longer online, I've already got an email sequence queued up to go out to them 15 minutes before, re-engage them, get them to log back in. There's little things like that that you can think about in advance and reuse from one event to the next that will drastically increase your engagement rates throughout those events. Love that. So John, just to confirm, make sure I got this right. So your organization's not just, hey, here's a platform. It'll make your life easier. Good luck. You're also providing services and consulting on how to really maximize your events, make them purposeful, and ultimately get an outcome out of them. Did I get that right? Yeah. So that's what our account management team is here for. We want to be essentially an extension of your team. I mean, when I, when I launched this company from day one, I talked about the frustrations of event tech, but it's not just the tech. It's the way that you have access to support when you have those questions. There's few industries that have the sense of urgency of events. I mean, you know, obviously, like the military and first responders, ER doctors, but there's a concrete date with events. If you spend three months building an experience that culminates in three hours, you don't have 10 minutes to wait for a response. And from day one, there was times I'd be on the highway and have to pull over to respond to a customer on a Saturday night because that's when their event's taking place. They don't need a response from me on Sunday morning. They need it right now. And we've built a culture around that and being there for our customers and really being an extension of their team. All right. So I'm curious. So you mentioned earlier, hey, whether the event is virtual or in person, you guys can support it. Mm Mm-hmm. My curious part is, hey, so we've gone from this lockdown COVID life to, hey, we want to be in person to, wait a minute, these things are expensive in person. What do you see? I'd love to get your insights and what you're seeing in the market. And I can go on. I'll let you answer and then I'll jump more in. Yeah. In person is expensive. No question about it. I mean, especially with inflation, hospitality sector is very, very expensive right now. Venues are booked out for years. You're also competing with everybody who is having their delayed or second wedding right now, myself included. Yep. So, Oh, no. <laughs> it's definitely competitive to actually get an event on the books there. But the way to really tackle that is to think about your annual event program, which needs to be a mix of some flagship in-person experiences and these virtual engagements throughout the year. One of the opportunities on the virtual side of things is that With in-person events, you have to hit a certain critical mass for it to really be worthwhile, right? Because there's a a marginal cost for each incremental attendee and and decreases. With virtual, you don't have as much fixed cost per event. 
And it allows you to create much more segmented and intentional engagements instead of having to just cast a super wide net and hope that it's going to hook everybody. So if you think about that annual event program and you keep people engaged throughout the year, not only are you obviously increasing those touch points, but when you do have that flagship in-person event, you've already got this nurtured audience that's gung-ho and ready to go and excited because you've built this community around that. The raving fans. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And you know, it's not just the fans, it's the sponsors too. Yeah, very true. So it sounds like an overall strategy of some virtual, it could be small, short, quick and fast, I mean, obviously planned. And then you can have these bigger in-person events. Are you seeing, what effect of this are you seeing with in-person versus virtual? I mean, is it, I'm just wondering if I talk to people all the time and on one hand, it's like, oh, I'm so happy I'm, I'm back to in-person and I'm literally looking at my customer and I'm having coffee with them or whatever else they're having with them. To, oh God, I went on a trip last week to New York. <laughs> it nearly killed me. I forgot how hard this stuff was. It was nonstop between breakfast, meeting, lunch, meeting, dinner, calls. And then by the way, hey, catch up on that email that you missed all day. So I'm just curious from your perspective, what are you seeing culturally? And maybe it really differs also by industry, but I love your insights. Yeah, so the vocal majority of the people that loved going to events in person in 2019 and before that, are the same people that are advocating for getting back. But that's a very small percentage of the total population, right? I mean, obviously, in in the B2B sales space, that's a lot more of those folks. But there's a lot of people out there and a lot of your buyers out there that weren't going to those events in the first place. Sometimes they were forced to, but they're just not comfortable in that circumstance. Like, There's a lot of people who dread the concept of being stuck in a ballroom, not knowing anybody, and trying to figure out what the hell they're supposed to do like standing in the corner, right? Maybe somebody will come up and interact with me. So yes, there's a lot of people who love and want to get back to in-person, but attendance rates are down, unfortunately. And you're neglecting a large set of your audience. And the other thing, especially in the tech world, is just that companies are so globalized today. Your buyers are across the world. And often it's cost prohibitive for them to attend an event in person, especially a half day or a one day event. So because of that, when trying to do more virtual, are there more of them? I mean, are we trying to do more smaller, agile, virtual events to keep that interest and sponsors happy and everything else? Because, hey, let's face it, we're in the past, we did, let's call it six in-person events a year or three big ones. Hey, now we're going to maybe do one. Yeah. Well, what we're seeing is that organizations are more inclined to do one big flagship event per year, but they're doing more sort of like field marketing events, regional Mm -hmm. events where they're going to some of the larger cities in the country where they have a a targeted customer base and hosting events there, basically making it easier for their attendees to get to their events. As for the total number of events and the frequency, yeah, that's definitely up. It means though that you have to be, everything that you do, you're competing for somebody's attention and their time, right? Especially when they're at a computer with multiple monitors. It is so easy to get distracted. You're up against TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, whatever else that email Slack that can pull their attention away. So your content does have to level up. And that's another area where I've seen a little bit of neglect. People underinvest in creating production quality content. Sometimes they look at these tools as, well, you know, this has got this embedded studio. I can do the production myself. And yeah, that might be fine for a more casual breakout. But instead of trying to invest, paying an extra $25 for this, this tool that's going to allow you to do the production and then trying to have your intern figure out how to do it, you're better off just hiring a production team. Frankly, it's not that expensive. And the result you get is going to be so 
vastly superior, then not only is it going to keep people engaged and entertained during your event itself, but it also gives you this production quality content to repurpose after the fact. You talked about engagement. Me and Lisa and the rest of us do a lot of virtual events, trying to keep, for example, sales reps' attention span over 90 minutes is tough. We got a lot of tricks and traps, but I'm curious, John, any tips on how do you keep someone engaged when you got, especially in a virtual environment, when they got so many things getting thrown at them to try to get them to want to actually engage and listen? You know, I could give you like the software solution answer to that using gamification, different things like that, challenges, rewards, et cetera. But frankly, the thing I've seen that's one of the most successful ways is to take that virtual experience and actually move it offline. So we've seen some organizations that have gone and they've sent packages to people's houses. So like, let's say it's a VIP event, you've got 250 people. They've sent out a package to everybody. And in that box are a number of different envelopes. Every envelope is timestamped with the person's local time. And that entire audience comes together every 15 minutes or every 30 minutes and they share an experience. So for example, one thing might be like a chocolate tasting or lighting a candle or something like that, where everybody in that audience is participating at the exact same time in sharing that experience together. And it just becomes so much more memorable. And we talk about like, how do we get social engagement? Well, yeah, lighting that candle in front of your computer monitor, that actually does get a lot of social engagement. Like those things do work and somebody's not gonna drop off because they wanna participate in that experience together. It's only another 15 minutes or 30 minutes until the next one. So there's a lot of ways that you can look to actually incorporate an offline experience with your virtual event experience that does lead to a very high degree of engagement at a fraction of the cost of even providing coffee on site. Wow. All right. We talked about measuring earlier. Are there certain recommendations you go, hey, these organizations seem to be measuring and having the right success. And we can kind of learn from them and their outcomes as, hey, that's what we want to repeat. Any other tips there? Like what kind of things are organizations measuring that really make a difference in the long run? Again, I'm going to say it really depends on what the goal of the event that they're looking to put on is. One area of measurement I've seen is organizations, and this tends to be most productive in companies that have multiple product lines, but looking at interaction amongst attendees with the product lines. So if you have breakout sessions that are in different products, use HubSpot as an example. They have the service cloud, the marketing cloud, the customer service cloud. If a customer is checking out a whole bunch of sessions related to that service cloud, but they're only paying for the sales and marketing cloud, well, that tells your account manager something right there. So companies that are actually looking at the data beyond just, okay, registration, attendance, total time in the event, companies that are actually looking to see what are people engaging in are the ones that we're seeing have the most success because it's taking the information that's gathered from filling out a form, downloading an ebook, up a level, to something that's actually actionable and gives us some detail around that person's intent and actual interest. And if you pass that on to a sales team and you teach them and show them where to access that information and how to make the most use of it, you're going to see success from it. I like it. Yeah, sounds great. And yeah, that's talking a little bit about the really successful events you've seen. It's a combination of so many things, right? Because there is that attendee experience, then there's like, what are the outcomes for the company itself, based on what they were looking for? Success has multiple perspectives when you think about an event is when it when you've got attendees who said this was interactive, this was really exciting, I really enjoyed this. And I'm actually kind of now I'm getting myself into a different question. 
do you also provide like does excel events also provide a way to collect like is there a survey feature or some way to collect some of that feedback as far as like what did you love what should we do better next time was it too long was it you know like kind of some of those things or was it not interactive enough between attendees things like that that they could use to really move forward and and hone in on what the best possible event could be yeah absolutely and and that type of information some of it is self provided by attendees, but there's other information like looking at the level of engagement that speakers were able to capture and understanding, okay, well, why did this person, most of their attendees dropped off after 12 minutes versus other person where like everybody stayed until the very last minute. Information like that helps you to know not only who to invite back to speak, but also who do you want to promote from the perspective of getting registrants at your next event? Whose content do you want to snip up and put onto social media? And also doing that not just after the event, but in real time, because you can bring people in and get them to register throughout the duration of the event as well. So there's a lot that can be done to really hone in and and optimize the experience based on that information. Going back to your original statement there, part of that design, the event design needs to be identifying what is success, not just for you as the organization hosting that event, but for each of your stakeholders, being attendees, exhibitors, sponsors, speakers, Anybody who's then going to be able to speak on behalf of the event experience that you've created, you need to be optimizing the experience for each of those stakeholders. That's a lot of people to make happy. (laughs) (laughs) But it doesn't have to be that challenging. I mean, it's as simple as defining a matrix. What is success for each of these four, five, six stakeholders? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And it sounds like there's so much room for being data-driven in this approach. And I think that's something beautiful about the invent of platforms just like Excel events is there's a lot of opportunity instead of like, you think back to that event, you tried to plan a fundraising event in person. There was just no way to actually, apart from maybe some paper surveys or or an old Excel spreadsheet, (laughs) but there was just no way for us to take away this kind of content and actually say, we're going to do better. And every single time being able to take that 1% step further towards a a better event for all. And you know that things are going to change because the virtual event thing, something that's changed over the last two years that I've heard a lot of feedback on is, is the fact that people going back to conversations around Zoom fatigue. And there were, as Carlos mentioned, so many virtual events just because of the there was no other option. We had to pivot to virtual events and then people get sick of that. And so then it's now they're excited about in person, but some people are still, it's ever changing. So I'm big about data-driven anything all the time. People will tell you I, I geek out about it, but I do think it's fantastic that you're providing that avenue for companies to become better at what they can provide for all of those stakeholders. So let's change direction a little bit here because it sounds like we could go on all day long (laughs) easily with you, John. So there's a couple of questions we ask every guest that comes on the show with us today, not today, every day. And the first is that as a founder of your own business, you are a revenue executive yourself and you often get prospected to by people who do not have a referral or a relationship with you. So what do they do? How do they do it right? How do they build a little credibility to have you actually consider responding? What do they have to show you to do that? Yeah, there's a couple of emails. It's primarily emails, referencing something or a way that they're working with one of our competitors at a bare minimum is going to catch my attention. Another way that tends to have a pretty high degree of engagement is if you've done something to catch the 
the attention of one of my colleagues to the point where they want to forward me the email, that works just as well. Interesting. Nice. Yeah, the old referral in. <laughs> yeah. And a, a lot of people, I don't, hopefully won't get a whole bunch of emails for admitting this, but <laughs> I went to a school of those 4,000 people in university. It wasn't huge. So you know, when people reference that, it shows that they at least dug through my LinkedIn. You know, it all comes down to that show me, you know me kind of thing, but it's kind of be a little genuine at the end of the day. Yeah. And that's what kind of really matters. All right. Here's our big uh, acceleration insights. That's what we call it. So it's a lot of great content. If you think about our listeners, and I'm going to be selfish and really thinking about that lead gen that you talked about earlier, is there one piece of advice around lead generation, really maximizing lead generation that you believe would really be critical for our listeners and why? Design a a well-intentioned event program and train your sales team on how to make the most out of those leads. And it will be the most successful lead gen program that you have within your organization. But if you just create the events and you don't teach the sales team what to do with it, and if you're an events person and you don't partner with demand gen, then it's not going to be successful, or at least not as successful as it can be. You need to bring the other stakeholders in and make sure that that lead progresses throughout the funnel. Yeah, I like those insights too you talked about earlier, because I think sometimes we miss the boat. Like, hey, so-and-so came to the service cloud meeting. and Hey, and they're not a customer. <laughs> okay, we got a lead. Hey, well... Are they a customer somewhere else? Is this a white space opportunity? Is this a whole new logo for us? There's so much other additional data around that attendee that if you can connect some of those dots, I think that's really powerful. So I just want to give you kudos for that because I was I found that really enlightening. Good. Yeah, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> There's a John's top top advice for how to get the most out of your events and to hit your targets, succeed your targets for this year. And Jonathan, honestly, if anyone was interested in talking to you more about the topics we touched on today, how would they get in touch with you? What's your preferred method of communication? Yeah, I love LinkedIn. John Kazarian on LinkedIn. You can also, our chat is staffed by real people 24-7. We'll respond in 30 seconds or less. Try it, I dare you. If we don't, then find me on LinkedIn. (laughs) All right. Now a challenge has been uh, landed there on your laps, folks. So make sure you check that out. Get in touch with John if the team doesn't respond fast enough. Well, honestly, can't thank you enough for being on the show today, John. It was a great pleasure having you here. Thanks for having me on. Amazing. Thanks. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. That does it for this episode. Please check us out at www.b2brevexec.com. Share this episode with your friends, your family, your dogs, your colleagues, all the people who attend your events. And if you like what you hear, and if they like what they hear, do us a favor and throw us a five-star review on iTunes. And until next time, we at Value Selling Associates wish you nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.